In today's episode, we're talking about mentors in fiction, from Obi-Wan Kenobi to Dumbledore to Leslie Nope. We're discussing all your favorite mentors and why the best ones are also the weakest. Hello from elsewhere. I'm Casey. And I'm Valerie. Valerie, I am I, I have a bone to pick with you. I think we need to discuss the balloon incident. <laughs> Which one? That's true. Incident incident implies uh, like a singular moment. Yes. So what's the word for something that happens over a prolonged period of time? The haunting. The haunting. Of... Yeah. So our son's birthday, our, our son, we can call him TK421. So TK421's birthday was weeks ago. It's almost been a month. Yeah, almost and a month. he was gifted a... Happy birthday balloon. Balloon, like the... Shiny. Mylar? Is it yeah, Mylar? I think that's what they call it. I don't know materials, but. The shiny, shiny balloons. Mylar sounds right. And you told him, don't get too attached because it probably will have sunk to the floor by morning. Right. That was his birthday night, and you told him that. <laughs> it is still floating around the house somewhere. <laughs> In fact, I don't know where it is right now. It could be behind me. <laughs> We keep finding it in the weirdest spots. Like somehow it managed to be into the laundry room. So I'm in there doing laundry and I look up and there's just this balloon crinkling in the corner. Because it likes to sort of scratch along the ceiling and yes. it makes it <laughs> sound. Yeah, did and I? This morning I was out here laying on the couch and I was like, what is that weird sound? The kids were still in bed and I was just laying there and I was like, what? and I like, Looked at my phone and I like couldn't figure out what it was. And I looked behind me on the ground yeah. was the, the balloon. balloon. Yeah, it still has not reached the floor. Yeah. And the the worst incident was you and I were watching a movie. I don't know what. It wasn't something scary, I'm sure, but it uh, grew immensely scary as we heard this slow scratching heading up the stairs behind us, the ceiling yeah. of the stairs, getting slowly quieter and quieter. And then I realized it was the balloon. And I looked up the stairs, and you have to know we live in a, a very old house. That See, upstairs is more attic-like. Yeah, it's 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 kind of like a Dr. Seuss house. There are no straight lines. None. But also, if Doc if Dr. Seuss was a Puritan, this is the house that he would have built. And I look up the dark stairway, which there's no light on, and the door is closed on the other end, and the balloon's just floating up there, watching me. It had reached the top, and. I don't know why, but I went up there to uh, to grab it and bring it back down. I should have just left it there. <laughs> At least someone would have known where it was. I'm not a brave person, so I don't know why I did this. But anyways. I'm, no, my favorite was that I told you, you don't know where the balloon is leading you, Casey. Yeah, you haunted the balloon because you <laughs> put the curse on it. Or you goaded the balloon into living into forever. Living. Yeah, it's it's still in the house. Yeah, the kids were playing with it today. It's lost enough air that it doesn't get stuck on the ceiling anymore. So right. they can play with it. They like that. And it's like the loudest toy of all time. So crinkly. So Casey, I have an all-important question for you. Hogwarts is a school of hundreds of students, dozens of teachers, all the magical creatures on the land, and we only really get Harry Potter's storyline. Right. So of all the other characters, creatures beings ghosts etc who are there in hogwarts who else would you like to hear a story of like if they had their own story they were the main character who would you want to book about um i think maybe someone in one of the paintings would be interesting yeah 
I still think we should get a like the the founding um, members of Hogwarts, the the four founders. That would be a good. But story. are you talking? Is this like people during Harry Potter's time? That I was kind of thinking during Harry Potter's time. So we'd still get all the big stuff that's happening at Hogwarts, right, but, but from, from somebody else's okay. perspective. I don't know. What's your answer? I don't really have an answer. I was just thinking about how I love the whole Hogwarts story and everything, but that there are so many other things that have to be going on. I mean, we look at Harry Potter's storyline as being the big important one, which right. it is, but there has to be, with all the hundreds of other people in the castle, thousands even, count all the house elves, there's got to be so many other stories going on there. So I think it's interesting to think about all the behind-the-scenes things. It's like another story about a school, the television show Community, at the end of first season maybe the second season they have like a little end of the episode tag about like this video yearbook that they're doing at the school but all the other students are like because all the main characters are the only ones in the videos and the other students at the school are like i don't even know these people who are these people right (laughs) (laughs) exactly there's just this idea that yeah you only know a limited amount of what the creator of the show or the or the book wants you to know yeah maybe most people don't even care about harry potter he's just got a complex like right they're like man that harry potter's got issues (laughs) he's always getting into trouble those other people like i don't even know who harry potter is (laughs) although they do set him up as famous they probably know who he is yeah but all the muggle-borns they don't even care i was thinking about this because we were talking about or we're going to be talking about mentors today so here's a segue for you my um thought was that we see Harry Potter with his mentors, but there's got to be lots of other students with mentors too. Like I was thinking about, I was thinking about Hermione with Professor McGonagall, and we only see them together a few times in, like Harry Potter's view of things. Mm-hmm. But because she gets the time turner, and I feel like she's got to work pretty closely with McGonagall. And later we know that Hermione goes on to work at the Ministry of Magic, and McGonagall worked at the Ministry of Magic. I kind of feel like Hermione would look to her as a mentor and they have similar personalities and anyway so I think it's interesting to think about other mentors that are there that might not have been Harry Potter's mentors but would be other characters mentors or like how Neville's mentor would be the herbology teacher oh Sprout that's what I was blanking on it who would uh Professor Binns's mentee be I feel like nobody likes Professor Binns. Some really boring student. Who have we got? Because even Trelawney takes some students under her wings, like Lavender and uh, Parvati. Mm -hmm. Is it Parvati? That, like, love her. Or is it Padma? One of the the twins. One of the twins. I can't remember either. It's got to be Parvati because she was in In Gryffindor in in the books. But, yeah, she's sort of a mentor to them in a way. Right. So all teachers are mentors, and we'll get into that. But, wait, before we go to mentors, do you have any recommendations for me or the listener. I just finished reading the Boston Jane series. It's a young adult um, book, a group of three books. And there's a young lady from Philadelphia who sails all the way around the United States over to the Oregon coast. Is that a true story? Uh, no. Okay. No, it's a historical fiction. So a lot of it is based on, you know, what Oregon would have been like in the, like the Wild West days of Oregon. Okay. Um, but it was really great. I would definitely. Does she wear it. a coonskin hat? No. Oh, okay. She's a lady, Casey. Yeah, but maybe. But at one point, she does have historical. to borrow somebody else's pants because it's well, all snowy go. and her dress gets but so she wet. Didn't borrow a coonskin hat. No, I don't think anybody in the whole book mentions wearing a coonskin hat. I don't know. I just picture people in Oregon at that time wearing coonskin hats. 
but maybe that's a stereotype. Such a stereotype. <laughs> See, and I picture people in the South wearing coonskin hats more than mm, I, more than generally. The West. I'd say like West, like like Utah, Wyoming, Colorado, people wearing coonskin hats. I'd say it's more of a Southern thing. Think of like where the red fern grows. So you're recommending it? You liked it? Yes. You enjoyed it? I did. I really enjoyed it. I read. They were quick reads. I read them all in like a week or something. So I'm gonna recommend a movie soundtrack. You can watch the movie too, but it might be hard to find. You and I watched the movie Hearts Beat Loud with Nick Offerman of Parks and Rec fame. But the music of that movie is really, really good. So I recommend looking up the soundtrack because it's fantastic. I agree. So if you have Spotify, etc., look it up. Hearts Beat Loud. You know what song I introduced the kids to the other day? Um, the Immigrant Song by... Led Zeppelin? Led Zeppelin. No, that was a few months ago no the kids do like that one but no we were listening to the boogie woogie bugle boy from company b by the andrews sisters i don't know i'm sure i know it is it you know that boogie? One. i don't yeah, know how boogie it goes boogie woogie bugle boy of company b okay it sounds I can't familiar, sing, yeah. but anyways that song you should look it up it's an old world war ii song you can't give two recommendations whose podcast do you think this is mine and mine alone <laughs> um my precious but the uh, the kids were talking about you know dancing the boogie mm. <laughs> i don't know where they heard this word boogie but we uh so then i was like oh do you introduce them to the boogie woogie song so they it's from the yoda we were just singing it tonight uh, oh i love to groove and boogie that one <laughs> i recommend that one <laughs> we've got too many recommendations <laughs> right. here but the youtube video seagulls stop it now bad lip reading of yoda is fantastic and the kids sing it all day long it and it's okay. I'm okay with it because it's wonderful. All right, let's jump in. Mentors. What, Valerie, makes a good mentor in fiction? I think a good mentor is someone who is there for their, what do you call a mentee? Mentee, protege. Protege. We might use various words. Student. In a lot of Ward. cases. Ward. Yeah. Interesting. But I feel like they're usually there for their protege. They... Um, are there to meet their needs, but in a way that what's interesting about mentors is they are trying to like better their mentee, trying to help them along and improve them, which is a good, a good and worthy goal, I think. But I think a lot of times it steps on the toes of the mentee. They don't want to do what their mentor says. I think the mentors naturally have wise words for their mentees. I can't say mentees without thinking mentos. Mentos. The <laughs> fresh maker. Yeah. Yes. That's what well, we're talking about. Join us next time where we talk about mentos. Whole episode. So I think we tend to think of of mentors as infallible, um, as always wise and logical and and passing their successes on to their protégés. That's like the the stereotype or the archetype of the mentor. But you and I were just thinking, how how true is that? Um, How often are mentors actually perfect? So the, the thesis of this episode, so to speak, is that the best mentors are weak, are failures, or see themselves as failures. And we believe that failure and weakness is what makes them interesting as mentors. So we aren't trying to say that uh, these mentors are bad characters, really the opposite. They're human and that's okay. Uh, We'll get into it, but stories often, although not always, tend to deconstruct the heroic mentors within them in the middle to late chapters of a series. So uh, we see that with, with Dumbledore, with um, Commissioner Gordon and Alfred. Yeah, Luke in The Last Jedi. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Obi-Wan in Return of the Jedi a little bit. Obi-Wan and Yoda, kind of. 
one of the interesting failures of mentors, I think, is they're always trying to, I think they do it to safeguard their students, but they are trying to keep information from them in some way. Mm-hmm. Dumbledore is a classic example of not giving the whole story to Harry Potter right up front. He just gives them little bits of information at a time as, as he sees fit. Right. And we start to see that uh, the facade, so to speak, of Dumbledore crumble in, in Order of the Phoenix a little bit when Dumbledore refuses to look at Harry. Well, Dumbledore is interesting because I feel like we get to see him physically weaken as well as be weakened as a mentor because of his uh, the curse that's on his hand. And we don't know it's a curse, but when Harry first sees him in uh, when Harry first sees him in the Half Blood Prince, he notices Dumbledore's hand and asks him what happened. And Dumbledore says, "You know, it's a fascinating story. I'll tell you another time." Type thing. But so I think we see at that point that Dumbledore is human; that he can get hurt. And then you know later we find out that that, that curse is killing him. But I think it's interesting to see that he is physically weakening as he's also kind of being taken down as a mentor. It's kind of a common trope of the mentor to eventually pass on and and die so that the hero can move forward. But Harry Potter is interesting because Dumbledore's death comes so late in the series comparatively like right. Obi-Wan dies in A New that Hope soon like yeah I mean out of the trilogy that he's in he's off in the first half of the first movie Luke yeah. does not have him as a mentor for very long which I think is why we get a second mentor for Luke he gets Yoda later right and Obi-Wan's of course around as a ghost but well that's another interesting idea about mentors is they're never really gone that's Dumbledore true. comes mm-hmm. back and Harry's death dream mm-hmm. whatever you want to call that yeah the limbo yes and and Gandalf, And too. in the pictures. He's in the pictures, too. We think about Lord of the Rings, and, and Gandalf dies in Fellowship. But he comes um, back. But he is resurrected as as Gandalf the White. And yeah, he's one who doesn't die off, although he does leave on the ships. But, true. But that's after the whole story ends. But he doesn't die, but, but Lord of the Rings does it a little bit more interestingly in that he doesn't die, but the Fellowship is broken. So Frodo and Sam, are on who are own. the main heroes, really, right. they don't ever see Gandalf again until until much, much later at the Grey Havens. And, and that's when Frodo dies, essentially. Not really, but uh, sort of. <laughs> well, Frodo they see Gandalf on. back at, after Mordor. It's not that's true. They see, him on, yeah. they see him at Rivendell. Yeah. When there's that beautiful slow motion, happy, clapping, laughing scene. <laughs> Gandalf. <laughs> but yeah, so the mentors definitely tend to keep things from the heroes whether that's outright lies or just lies of omission just thinking about gandalf still gandalf seems like he's um on a almost like a higher plane compared to the other mentors and that he seems almost perfect because he is a maiar which is this almost eternal being um but he keeps a lot of stuff from people uh in um the hobbit he's keeping information from the dwarves and and he's keeping information from hobbits and lord of the rings all in the name of of protecting them which i think is pretty common among all these mentors that we're talking about absolutely um i don't think you've read the book Ella Enchanted. No, I've seen the ridiculous movie. But well, the movie ruins it. Yeah. Go read the book is really good. Um, but in that, um, in the book, there's Mandy, who is kind of the um, cook housekeeper of the of Ella. And uh, Ella doesn't know, like Ella has a curse on her, but she doesn't know forever that Mandy is a fairy. Like she keeps that information from her to keep her safe. And then if you move over to Star Wars, uh, Obi-Wan keeps the truth about Darth Vader uh, from Luke. He outright lies to him in A New Hope. He says that uh, Vader killed his dad. Later he says it was just, it's true, but from a certain point of view. But 
Obi-Wan's a pretty flawed mentor, I think. And, and that's what I love about him. It's what makes him interesting. And, and then in The Last Jedi, Luke keeps the truth about the Kylo Ren situation from Rey. And we see that one flashback scene three times where each time we get a little bit more of the truth of what really happened. But, uh, but Luke's trying to keep that in as much as possible. And that's not really necessarily to protect Rey. I think it's because he's ashamed of it. Well, and I think that's part of why Obi-Wan keeps the history of Darth Vader from Luke is because I think he kind of feels like he failed Anakin. Oh, yeah, that's, yeah. So in a, in a way that they're trying to save save their mentors from hurt, I think they're also trying to save um, a bit of blame from themselves, Yeah, which is perfectly human. We don't like to think of ourselves as, you know, the guilt that we carry around. We don't like to share that. And what's so interesting about this conversation is that if part of the archetype of the mentor is to keep certain truths from the heroes it's actually up to the villains to tell the truth Ooh, i like that idea i hadn't thought about it but it's true like if you think about we just watched dark knight rises yeah and bane is the one who comes out and tells everybody that rv dent was a bad guy and right that and that gordon had been lying gordon has been lying yeah gordon wanted sort of wanted to tell the truth and he had his chance but he never never did. took it yeah and then in in star wars again darth vader is the one that tells luke the biggest truth bomb of all truth bombs, um, the the greatest twist in cinematic history that he is Luke's dad. And then Kylo Ren is the one that's leading Rey to more truth um, about Luke in that situation. Um, not completely because Kylo Ren still believes that Luke was going to kill him, whereas we learned from Luke that he had ignited the lightsaber, but then he felt ashamed and he wasn't going to do it. Of course, there's the, the theories out there that which one of those three stories is true and that maybe Luke's wasn't the truth i don't know Ooh, i love when you can't trust your narrator right well and back back to dark knight rises we talked about gordon and and he's kind of a mentor to um, blake joseph gordon levitt's character but there's also alfred who in the previous two movies is is fairly stalwart and again this is the last chapter of the series it sort of breaks alfred down in that movie yeah, Alfred has been you know, holding in this lie about Rachel having moved on and chosen Harvey Dent. And, and uh, I think he finally gives into that because Bruce Wayne has become such a recluse and just ignoring the world. And Alfred's one desire for Bruce is happiness. And he thought he was protecting him by keeping this piece of information, this letter from him. But then he ends up, Batman ends up, well, no, he's not Batman at that point, I guess. Um, but that Bruce ends up living in the shadows anyway. This is another one who's had multiple mentors, if you look at Ra's al Ghul. And he even looked to Harvey Dent in a lot of ways, well, before he became Two-Face. Yeah, there's there's always situations, too, where there's these this other trope of, of the mentor ends up being the villain. Um, Ra's al Ghul, and uh, we haven't seen the movie, but I know enough, at least, about the comics that in Green Lantern, Sinestro was was uh, Green Lantern's mentor at one point, right? You used to read some of those comics. Sounds familiar. It's been a while since I've read any. <laughs> He's the pinky purple yeah. devil-looking man. That's definitely true with Beckett from the Solo movie. I mean, Han looks up to him in a lot of ways, even though Beckett tells him not to trust anyone, and he does end up turning on Han. So with Dumbledore... He's also keeping the truth about the Horcruxes from Harry. Big lie, big lie. <laughs> yeah, specifically the lie that, that Harry is the last Horcrux, which is pretty huge. <laughs> it's like right. about as big of a lie as it gets that Although, you have to die. Sorry. I mean, when you think about it from a, a parental perspective, at what point do you tell your 11-year-old, 12-year-old, 13-year-old that they're going to die? How long do you protect them? And at what point do you prepare them for reality? 
Now I'm just having thoughts about Arrival and the themes of that movie. Yes. And, and if you haven't seen Arrival, that's a recommendation for you. Speaking of mentor lies, one of our kids' favorites is the Sleeping Beauty movie and the three good fairies. I think it's interesting that they're even called the three good fairies because Maleficent's the bad fairy. But the, the three good fairies lie to Rose for 16 years. Call her Briar Rose. She doesn't know she's Aurora the princess. It's been a while since I've seen it. Does Maleficent in that one provide some sort of truth as well? No. The fairies end up telling her okay. that she's the princess. And then in um, in Skyfall, which again is another third movie, another later movie in the series that tears down its mentor with M, who is a mentor to, to James Bond. She's played by the wonderful Judi Dench. And Dame. Dame Judi Dench. Use the Forgive title. Me. Respect, I, man. Yeah, right. In that one, she, that movie's all about M and how her past and her weaknesses and her, her sins, the movie calls them, are coming back to haunt her. And in this case, she lies to Bond, uh, telling him he's ready for service when he's clearly not. And so that lie essentially is could ease, could very easily lead James Bond to his death. But she does it anyway because she needs him. Right. He's their best option for yeah. hope. Which, speaking of M, we've mentioned a few female mentors, but it's kind of less common. They're Not a kind lacking. of. It's, it's pretty, um, in the mainstream at least, there's way more male mentors, even if the hero is a female. Yeah, no right. matter the gender of the hero, the mentor tends to be male. I feel like it's easier to find female mentors in books. Yeah. Uh, especially young adult books, which is awesome. Like, I'm thinking. Marilla Cuthbert in Anne of Green Gables or mm. well, Mandy in Ellen Enchanted, Captain Marvel to Miss Marvel. Well, in addition to lying or omitting the truth, what are some other weaknesses of our favorite mentors? I don't know what a good way to phrase it is, but they they use their protégés. They definitely um, use them as a, a means to an end, but like in a way that they're trying to make it for the greater good type of thing. Right. So like with um, Dumbledore, he needs Harry to stay alive to a certain point so that all the other horcruxes can be done, gone. And he does care for, I mean, and when we say use them, it doesn't mean that he doesn't care for Harry. I think he does. But he also sees that there's a greater good to be had and that that's yeah. more important than one life, even one life that he really cares about. Which is interesting because that was Grindelwald's for the the greater good. Oh yeah, that's true. And Grindelwald and uh, Dumbledore did have a connection. And you haven't seen Crimes of Grindelwald yet. No, I haven't. I have. I won't spoil it, and this isn't a spoiler. Um, but just generally speaking, Dumbledore definitely uses Newt in the movie in a similar way to that he's using Harry throughout Harry Potter. Well, Aberforth, uh, his brother, you know, Dumbledore's brother, does accuse him of that, hmm. using people to get what he wants. He absolutely does. I'm th- I think that's one of... Dumbledore's great flaws and and again to reiterate we love these characters we're not trying to tear them down because we hate them it's uh it just makes them more human yeah yeah and it makes you realize that we could be awesome mentors Casey (laughs) because we're perfectly flawed (laughs) yeah who wants to be my mentee well and I'm just curious why when I when we think of mentors we think of this wise um sage that almost has a a, an aura of like perfection about them Definitely. But that's the image that you picture. They really don't. And especially, like I've mentioned multiple times, the f- the longer a series goes on, the more likely that the mentor is going to get torn down in yeah. at least one way, but generally more than one way. I know. I can't think of a single perfect mentor. 
I know. The closest I can think of is Gandalf, but like I said, he's not perfect. And right, uh, he uses Frodo, this poor little hobbit. Right. Yeah. <laughs> just sends him off into like, the Mordor. Frodo <laughs> says, "Like I'll take the ring," and Gandalf has every ability and and power and authority to say, "No, we should send it with someone that is more likely." But he knows that hobbits have certain characteristics that do make it likely that Frodo can make it. Like. Hobbits, right. Hobbit is a good choice, the greater good. but also hobbits are small and could get eaten by fell beasts. So, you know, <laughs> and also in, in with, with Gandalf in the book, he leaves, he leaves Frodo with the ring for 17 years. That's like, that's a long time. The movie, it's much shorter, but. Right. He's thinking that it might be the one ring and he, and he goes off to do all this research, but yeah. it takes him a long time to come back. But he's using Frodo because he knows the ring will be safer in the Shire. Right. And because it's safer than if Gandalf was taking it with him. At the same time, he's leaving this very powerful, evil object in the Shire for which 17 is, years. Which is the place of all innocence, really. Like it's yeah. One of my favorite female mentors is Leslie Nope from Parks and Rec. She is so wise and wonderful and passionate in so many ways, but she's also... A steamroller, a big gigantic steamroller <laughs> who steamrolls over people. What's the rolly thing at the front of the steamroller? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But she has, um, while she seems to be a mentor for a lot of people, she especially picks April to be her mentee. She tries to mold her in exactly the way that she wants her life to go. Um, she wants their lives to kind of parallel and work together in, in harmony. And so she's trying to, you know, in the last season when April's kind of at a crossroads in her career and she's trying to figure out what she wants to do. And Leslie Nopes gives her a, a classic binder full of her five-year plan and she's got it all mapped out for her. So that's a one where she's trying to push her own hopes and dreams on, on April. Yeah, and, and not only to turn April into a mini, a mini Leslie Nope, but it's generally in some way that furthers Leslie's agenda as well that will help her in some way. Right. I think Earlier in the seasons, there's a point where uh, she's trying to, like, save the parks department or something like that. And she needs, I I don't remember the specifics, but. um. Yeah, well, when she's trying to, April wants to put together a a dog park for the community. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. And Leslie, and she wants to use, you know, lot. Oh, man, they say it so many times. The lot 17? Lot 41? My goodness. They say it a million times in the series. number, number. I don't remember. No. You have to look that up. I think it's 40-something. I feel like 41 sounds... You keep talking, I'll okay. look it up. But yeah, so they, they want to, you know, use... Isn't it 48? I think it's 48. 48? <laughs> we'll get there, guys. If we guess all the numbers, we have to be right eventually. It's not 42. That's hitchhikers. Well, maybe the lot 42 is the answer to everything. Yep, lot 48. The 48. Sullivan Street Pit. That's right. So April wants to use that lot 48 as the dog park and Leslie Nope fights that just because she that's her park that's her spot that's what she wants and and even though it would be a good spot for the dog park she you know pushes for her own her own agenda into into sabotaging april's plans really she's a steamroller i'm gonna draw a parallel here that i didn't think i would ever draw but i am a firm believer that everything relates back to star wars i think in this situation leslie nope is obi-wan kenobi and april is anakin on the surface, of course, it's pretty easy. April and Anakin are just both very angry people. But I think Obi-Wan is often trying to make Anakin more like himself. And rather than... Right, he's trying to teach him to be calm and yeah, to be... The, the yeah. perfect mold of what a Jedi uh-huh. is. Rather than 
meet Anakin at his level and try to really solve the problems and, and help support Anakin emotionally. I could see that. Also, mentors often fail uh, their goals or they believe they fail. Still on, on Obi-Wan and Anakin, Obi-Wan even tells Anakin, I have failed you. He never really feels like he can be the mentor that Qui-Gon was to him. And and going back to the, the lie thing, like you said, I think there's a lot of guilt there because he feels like he failed Anakin and that. And part of the the creation of Darth Vader was Obi-Wan's fault, not just because of the fact that he chopped most of his limbs off, but also, <laughs> and left him on a lava pit, but also because he failed to support him emotionally, uh, preventatively leading up to that point. Yeah, why doesn't he just kill him at that point? Because Jedi don't kill, and... That's not true. They fight people all the time. That's true. They don't kill their own. I don't know. Um, He's like, I'm just going to leave you here limbless to die on your own. Like, he could have just put him out of his misery, at least. Yeah, Like, if he feels like he's leaving him there to die, then why not just kill him off? I think it's just too hard, I think. And maybe that's another failing of Obi-Wan, a weakness of Obi-Wan, but... He says it. Anakin's was his brother. It's his his closest friend. I don't think he can be the one to do it. He lets the lets Mustafar do the job. Also interesting that total side note, but that Anakin becomes Darth Vader on Mustafar and like chooses that as his home base from then on. Right. I love that. I think it's awesome. I think personally, the day where I suffered the biggest tragedy of my life is not where I want to make my home. Well, and apparently there's some dark side power there as well. So it's oh. there's some. There's at least two reasons why Vader would want to be there. But I think he stays there because that's where he became Vader. And the dark side sort of thrives on pain and, and anger and anguish. So it makes more sense than going to Naboo. Although that would be uh, that would have some anguish in other, in other sense. It's too pretty to be too anguish-ridden. Yeah, well, that was my first thought. But then also Padme's dead. So that would probably just make him sad there, too. I think he'd be sad anywhere. Gandalf is another one who feels like he's failed Frodo. You know, they get to this point where they haven't heard or seen Frodo in a long time, and he kind of feels like he's sent Frodo to his doom. And like we mentioned with Luke in The Last Jedi, it's ultimately his feeling of failing Kylo Ren. He puts it all on his shoulders that Kylo Ren turned to the dark side, and that leads him to keep the truth from Rey and, and leads him to put himself in exile. But then Rey, of course, tells him, she says, you didn't fail Kylo, Kylo failed you. Which isn't exactly true because, I mean, from Kylo's perspective, Luke did draw a lightsaber on him. Right. Kind of Kylo's failing. perspective is valid in, in a lot of ways. But what's so interesting to me about Luke in The Last Jedi, and I think it's a reason why a lot of fans reacted negatively to it, is that he's not the hero of the new trilogy anymore. And, and it, I think it took a little while for even Mark Hamill to realize that he's not Luke anymore. He's Obi-Wan, essentially. He's the Obi-Wan of the new trilogy. And if we're still playing with those archetypes, he's not the hero anymore. He is the mentor, and he is the, the one who's supposed to guide the hero now, which means he's going to have uh, some weaknesses. And I sort of love that about him, and I, I adore Luke in The Last Jedi and what they did with his character. I do too. I know it's kind of polarizing, but I love old Luke more than young Luke. <laughs> and then, of course, there's the mentors who maybe don't actually fail, but they put so much on their on their shoulders that they feel that they've failed. Right, like Lupin in Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. That was a very long pause while I thought about the book, <laughs> the book name. But the uh, he gets fired at the end basically just because he's a werewolf. Not that he. But he doesn't even get fired. He that's he true. He chooses. That's true. He chooses he feels to leave. Like a failure. Yeah, he feels like a failure and. 
basically just because he's a werewolf, not because he's a bad teacher in any way. Although I guess he did get loose on the grounds and almost attack some of his own students. So I can see why he's concerned about that. But he was a great teacher. Yeah, they all considered him the best. And then you've got Alfred in the in the Dark Knight Rises where at the point at the end where he th- believes that Bruce is dead, he tells group he tells Bruce's grave, I have failed you. It's very powerful and very sad and of course he learns that he's not dead, but um He's another character that puts a lot on his shoulders that maybe he doesn't need to. Although, like we said with him, he did keep a a big lie from Bruce for for a few years. And we watched Dead Poets Society a week ago or so. And uh, Mr. Keating, I'm sure that he feels like he failed Neil because he kind of encouraged him. I mean, he encouraged him to talk to his father, but he also encouraged him to pursue what he loved to do. Yeah, there's that powerful scene where he's sitting at Neil's desk and uh, looking at the book and he just breaks down crying and it's some of Robin Williams' best work and you can just feel the the sense of failure that he has and that he, he feels slightly responsible. And especially because everyone around him, it's implied that all the, the teachers and everyone have sort of branded him as as the scapegoat, as the one that Right, uh, this radical led. teacher that yeah. was trying to push him out to be an actor. So even if it's not true and even if part of him doesn't believe it to be true, I think that there's another part of him that would take those words and sort of wonder, did I did I lead him to his death? He's one of those characters that I wonder what happens to him after after the movie ends. Where does Mr. Keating go? Does he still continue to teach or is he too heartbroken to do it? Does he I think it ends on such a hopeful note that uh yeah, he goes and he teaches finds and a more he's liberal still school. inspiring and yeah. It's a given that mentors are important important characters in fiction, you know, they guide and train the heroes. Um, like Obi-Wan and Lupin and Gandalf. They also give wisdom, like Mr. Keating and Dumbledore, and they often sacrifice themselves in many ways. Gandalf with his you shall not pass, and Luke coming to fight off Kylo Ren to give the Resistance a chance to escape. Um, With this episode, we never intended to claim that any of these characters are are bad or villainous, um, only that they're more human than we give credit to and that their weaknesses and failures are vital for the growth of the hero. There's, In fact, the hero is meant to become better than the mentor if they're supposed to find true success. One of my, probably my favorite line in all of Star Wars um, is where Yoda, the force ghost Yoda, is talking to Luke, and he states that we are what they grow beyond. Thanks for joining us in this mentor-centric episode. If you want to reach us, you can find us on Instagram and on Twitter. Our handle is uh, at elsewhere underscore pod. You can head to our website, hellofromelsewhere.media, or you can email us at hellofromelsewherepodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah, tell us who your favorite mentors are. List some more female mentors for us. Join us next time where I make Valerie watch the Star Wars holiday special for the very first time. 